Hello and welcome to episode 14 of God's Own Scale podcast, your one-stop podcast for 6 mil wargaming and smaller. I hope you're well. I hope you're keeping safe in these strange times that we're living in. This episode sees me speaking to Andy Kirk from Heroics and Ross. Now, anybody who knows anything about 6mil or 1/300th scale gaming can't fail to be aware of Heroics and Ross. They are one of the oldest manufacturers of that scale in existence. Andy Kirk was a gracious guest, uh, giving up some of his time to come and talk to me about the history of Heroics and Ross and where the company is now and hopefully where it's going to. It's a really interesting chat and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it too. Before we go on to the interview, one or two uh, bits of news and a couple of shout outs. So it looks like the show scene for 2020 is pretty much cancelled now uh, with the announcement that Warfare in Newbury, uh, Stroke Reading, is cancelled uh, until next year. It's not a surprise. I think that is probably the last of the big shows to be cancelled now. There might be one or two smaller local shows. I know there's Wargamer in Birmingham, which takes place in December. Usually uh, there's no word on that yet. And I think the show in Sittingbourne, as far as I'm aware, has not been cancelled yet. But obviously check out the usual hobby news websites for updates on that. Bacchus opened and then very quickly shut again their shopping cart. I think it was just over 24 hours that it was open. Everybody was given fair warning of its opening. And I know that Peter was once again inundated with orders throughout that 24-hour period. I've certainly put my order in for Zulus and American War of Independence. More of that in a future show, I am sure. I want to give a shout out to uh, Andy, who has set up firepowergaming.com. This promises to be a web store with a difference, being a one-stop shop for all of your hobby needs. Andy contacted me uh, over Twitter, where he can be found at dice underscore dad, or indeed firepowergaming, which is at f p gaming uk and the website firepowergaming.com is just setting up uh, the web store and there's nothing on there yet to purchase but certainly one or two blog entries he's asked for clubs to send in details of their whereabouts and their activities so there can be a hub for people looking for a local war games club to attend I've just submitted the details for Stoke War Games Group, which hopefully will be up on the website now. There's also an excellent blog by at Joe underscore Wargamer discussing how he produces and weathers and modifies MDF building kits, which is really outstanding. I suggest you take a look at that and see some of his work because it's beautiful. At Joe underscore Wargaming is his Twitter handle, so easily found on Twitter if you use that social media platform. 
Other news is, um, I'll, and I was trying to find details of this, but I'm just struggling over the web, but I know that it's been talked about that Partisan, or the other Partisan, has obviously been cancelled, but similar to what they did in May with the first Partisan, there looks to be an intention to run a virtual Partisan um, on the 11th of October. So a Partisan in the cloud, and I know that previous guest of the show, Henry Hyde, did an excellent talk on his sitting back game, and I think it was Molowitz. Uh, I think he talked for about three hours on that particular piece uh, to contribute towards Partisan in the Cloud. So it'll be worth watching out uh, for and checking out the usual websites for that as well. Now, um, Wargaming News is found all over the internet, but I'm going to give a shout out now to a, a website that I highly recommend and gets the God's Own Scale seal of approval for all Wargaming News and uh, reviews and discussions about the latest out there. There's also a forum uh, attached to the, the website and that it, it is called the wargameswebsite.com. Uh, it's a relatively new venture, sort of along the lines of the miniatures page. I suggest you uh, check it out and have a look. Um, all the latest hobby news is on there. As I say, along with a fo active forum where you can join and discuss your particular projects. Blog of the episode, and I probably should have chosen this as the first blog of the episode, having spoken to John at Heretical Gaming. All, having said that, the, the, the blog that I chose, as in uh, Big Lee's blog, was a, a very worthy addition, but uh, the blog for this week is uh, Heretical Gaming Blogspot. Dot com. It is John's home for his gaming activities. He's just started the Gallic Wars campaign. There's an English Civil War campaign on there that he's fought out. There's the Peninsula War campaign he's fought out. And there's lots of interesting other bits and pieces that he talks about. Lots and lots of battle reports, which are excellent to read. So please get over there and support John in his efforts at hereticalgamingblogspot.com. Salute uh, next year is looking to run on April the 10th, 2021 at X, at the Excel Centre as usual. Now, with easing of lockdown and the apparent development of vaccines, then I don't think it's beyond the realms of a possibility that Salute will go ahead next year. I'll certainly be planning on attending and hopefully doing some roving reporting, uh, but more of that at the end of the show. But I will be attending in my guise as God's Own Scale roving reporter to have a look what's going on at the largest one-day wargame show in the country, and probably in Europe. I don't know if it's bigger than Crisis or not, but it's certainly up there as one of the biggest. Everybody who's listening to this will be familiar, of course, with salute and finally um uh, another small item to discuss i'm going to be discussing a range of the episode in six mil and this one may take a few people by surprise because i am primarily a historical gamer in six mil uh, and 15 mil actually but primarily in six mil 
but I'm going to point you towards a regular miniatures 6mm fantasy range. Now the reason I'm choosing this as the range of the episode is because in their news section on the website, irregularminiatures.co.uk, there's a picture of a horde of orc infantry that they've recently posted. And it really is splendid and it shows off the advantages of 6mm and fantasy gaming in that it is a real horde of green skins uh, charging towards the camera. I think it's a fabulous picture. Irregular miniatures paint up lovely. I know that some of the sculpts are very old now actually. The range, this range has been in existence for some time but they do what they say on the tin and there is a, a fantastic range and one of the advantages of playing fantasy in 6mm is of course uh, certainly for the human type elements you can use pretty much any historical range that you choose to represent the humans and then you can also use 10 15 or even 28 mil figures to act as the larger creatures albeit irregular do produce dragons and ogres and giants and all those sort of things so whether you want to play uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep or the Pelennor Fields battle uh, from the Lord of the Rings or you want to play Kings of War in 6mm and I know a friend of the show Steve Evans, hi Steve, has collected several 6mm armies to play Kings of War with using irregular miniatures and I'm really looking forward to seeing those in the flesh and having a game with Steve at some point in the near future. It is a cheap an easy way of getting into games like Kings of War and in fact can turn into a travel version of it so if you travel a lot for on work or for business or even going on holiday then you could almost take a collection with you in a very small box actually so check them out if 6mm Fantasy floats your boat as the next project or side project that you choose and that's at irregularminiatures.co.uk. Even just to check out that picture that I'm talking about that's gone up on their news section. And I do hope to speak to Ian in the very near future. I'm going to reach out to him again. I did reach out to him when I first launched the podcast. And he was certainly uh, interested in, in coming on and talking to me. And I'm trying to do that with uh, every manufacturer of 6 mil that there is at the moment. Uh, scheduling can be a small problem occasionally. Um, my work hours are pretty varied and unpredictable at times, but I certainly hope that uh, Ian will be appearing on the show very soon. Okay, that is enough of me wittering on. I've wittered on for a few more minutes than perhaps I intended. And I think that might become a feature as we move forward with this podcast. So please forgive me. I'm now going to hand over to the interview where I speak to Andy Kirk from Heroics and Ross. So for now, let's talk about six. Mademoiselle from yeah, so thanks for your time, mate. Very good. Thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Right. Okay, go for it. Yeah, all right. Okay, welcome then to uh, 
episode 14 of God's Own Scale. I've got a really special guest with me today. Uh, I'm aiming to reach out to as many manufacturers and, and producers in the hobby as I can. And I've managed to track one down to DP Starkish Hampshire, I think it is. Is that right, Andy? It is indeed, yes. <laughs> uh, that voice is Mr. Andy Kirk of Heroics and Ross. Welcome to the podcast. Well, uh, glad to be here and thank you for giving me this opportunity. Well, as we've discussed in the bit of a pre-ramble, I think it's your you're breaking your virginity with podcasting. Absolutely, uh, I, I, I am. I've never done anything quite like this before in my life. So. <laughs> well, I like to tread new ground on this podcast, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear it because uh, you are owner proprietor of Heroics and Ross, which is a name that goes back into the history of wargaming some time, doesn't it? does i believe uh, uh late 1960s was uh, uh, the navwar was the company that sort of i uh, there's been a lots of lots of trails of companies and ranges and bits and pieces but navwar was established in mid to late 1960s and uh, yeah so it's got a very very long history and some of the heroics and raw stuff that i've found in the great clear out that probably everyone's been doing in the uh, in the pandemic is uh, you know I found moulds from in the nine you know the early 1980s and uh, late 70s so yes there's a it's got a long history that's for sure yeah well I, I remember looking at, at a Heroics and Ross advert in probably military modelling in the very early 80s I would suggest and just being overwhelmed by by this page of text with uh, some odd letter and number combinations to describe german tanks like pz 111j or whatever there probably isn't a panzer 3j i don't know but uh seeing these strange names like ferdinand and yep. uh, panther and thinking my goodness there's little models of all of these little things i have no idea what they are because of course that was pre-internet so i, I it's very difficult to get hold of a picture I, of a I, panzer 3 whatever but but it's uh, yeah the uh, the wide range of, of models not only going back to biblical times and, and throughout history but that that advert really sticks with me from my childhood. I think it's you know the big strength of Rex is just how big the range is. It's <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> sometimes I sit there and think, why did they make that or? or uh... <laughs> You know, some things you sell, there literally are figure packs. I've owned the company for 10 years that we've never, We in that 10 years, I'm still using the stock of the figures we had um, when I bought the company. So, oh and others, gosh. others, we we just can't now, cannot keep enough uh, figures in stock. You just literally just cast 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 because you they just sell <laughs> you know yeah it's it's such a and actually it creates its own problems because i'm sitting there thinking well what new stuff do we make particularly with world war ii it's like yeah that you know anything now is really 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 obscure um so you know it's one of the reasons we started a project to you know go back over things and go okay you know some of these designs are you know there's nothing wrong with them at the time but you know, they could be 30, 40 year old design and uh, we can do better now. So it's a gradual process of, you know, upgrading things, um, sure. which I always shied away from 
because I, I wanted to bring new things out and none of them, are, you know, none of them are bad. Um, and it's almost like, well, would you want something new or do you want something that's a redo? And I'm always trying to balance between the two, um, you know, which is the, the, the right way forward. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure the uh, that, that must be a, a, a difficult decision sometimes because um, you've only got it's so really much time. <laughs> you've, the, it's almost it's it's almost like a gamble every time because you've only got so much money i suppose to invest in new stuff but also it's not just the money it's the sculpting time and it really is yeah. if you do one you're not doing something else so yes. it's uh and you know just because six people have emailed you to tell you they're going to buy x there might be 100 people that haven't emailed you that's going to buy y you know yeah. one of the first things i commissioned was by mistake you know i was we were chatting with the sculptor and you know going what can we you know how, what information do you need how do you want to work and all the rest of it and i sent him two two lots of information that were completely different one was a magazine article on a swedish uh artillery piece um, you know a modern piece based on an articulated lorry and one was a you know proper uh engineering drawing of a austrian um truck and he, he made both for me and i'm like oh, i didn't actually really mean you to make them i was just trying trying to clarify which sort of information was was the best way of getting the information he's like well you know i can work from both you would do them and they both turned out to be really good sellers and it's like <laughs> i could would not have predicted uh you know a swedish articulated self-propelled gun um that i think there's only 24 of in the world it, it gets bought so much but really <laughs> I, you know i had someone in taiwan buy more than there are in the world and I like, so i emailed them and asked them what they're doing with them and they're oh there's a science fiction project i'm like okay fine uh, yeah. Okay. yeah it's like oh, i hadn't even thought of that so. yeah that's fascinating that's fascinating isn't it that the as i say i, I was bamboozled by um the, the names of some of these vehicles and uh, you, there's the world war ii and the modern listings on that advert usually and uh i i became fascinated with it i've never been a tanky i've never been into um or I have I've played a lot of World War Two, but I've never it's never been a major project of mine. But it, it's always fascinated me the the wide variety of vehicles and like you say there must be codes within that list that have only ever sold a handful throughout the history of Heroics and Ross and there must Absol be others that sell thousands upon thousands. Yes, there are. You know, you've got a, a little flame throwing tank and it's like it it it's been done to to complete. You know, I suppose. This is what I always liked about six mil. You know, I, I I became fascinated by a scale because to me it was almost a perfect balance between the models were big enough that you could actually see the difference. And you, you knew just by looking at it what it was, yeah. uh, uh, you know, but the co cost meant you could actually make some of this weird, weird things and actually sell them at a sensible price. Um, yes. And to me, it was like, and if you wanted to have a big battle you want lots of t-34s because there were lots of t-34s <laughs> yeah. so you don't want one representing 20 you want to be able to put 20 on there i mean yes and and that's uh you know or at least five or six and not break the bank and to me it was always a, a balancing act between you know making it, it was an affordable way of, of of joining it you know i started by buying the models that's how i got into it i i like the models i like painting them i I could collect lots of them and not use a huge amount of space and upset everyone that my model collection was now, you know, taking over rooms, houses and all the rest of it. So, yeah. you know, 
um, and that's that's the thing that I found fascinating. And you know, my dad was in in the war, and he was always interested in military stuff. And when I bought the company and I showed him the models, he was looking at them and going, "Oh, that's a so and so, and that's a so and so." Really. Thought, this guy is 80 years old and he's looking at them and and he, he you know clearly he had a very good reason to recognize what a german tank looked like yeah um but you know he he oh yeah and you know and I, i'm like oh and it's like he he's just and it was just just i just sat there and thought yeah you know it's it, where else can you what other scale could you i mean i'm sure you can but it made we've got a little range of australian carriers that's you know four or five of them that we sell once in a blue moon, but it means if you want to do the Australians, you can have their carriers. So yes, um, to me, that's that's what I liked about it. Uh, I'm I come from the other end. You know, more modern it is, the probably the more <laughs> more I like it, and yeah. I struggle with Waterloo and the Seven Years' War and things like that because I just don't have the knowledge so much there. And I'm yeah. and you know um you know it's uh and also you know I sit there and I think you know there's so many they whoever the sculptors before knew those ranges very well and they've done hordes of things so, it, so I sat there and almost thought they didn't do the other end so I'm doing the other end now but then want to come back and start looking at you know bits and pieces that are missing so yes it's 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 interesting I think with um I think you've hit the nail on the head there that one of the big advantages of one three hundredth or six mil is that producing those really obscure vehicles isn't like warlord games do in 28 mil where they have to commission a plastic model and get the plastic molding done which i'm told uh, oh it's uh, you know one plastic mold costs something like ten thousand pounds or something ridiculous yeah well, yeah we, we've looked at whether it would make economic sense to put something like a sherman or a t34 in you know injection mold it and it yeah. for us it, it doesn't it just, yeah you, you know even we're selling the large quantities we do of those particular tanks it, it you know because you get also you get a lot in one go so you end up holding a lot of stock and it's like they yeah. you know and no it doesn't for them i can see you know it's, it's horses for courses and um you know there are lots of manufacturing changes taking place now and it's really interesting to see to look at oh maybe we could do that or maybe some doors are opening that um weren't open before so that's you know one of the things i'm enjoying about the company now that we you know we're looking at how to make masters how, how production techniques that you know technology doesn't sit still so it's um you know even even the mold even the rubbers that the molds are made out of changed which means now you can put more meat detail onto something and not destroy the mold on the first first run so we can do things that we couldn't do you know 20 30 years ago so yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's good it's evolving uh I, I think it's very much evolving um you know 3d printing's coming along and we're using that to make masters now and that's opening a lot of doors to us whereas before you had to you know we did do a sort of a make a, a base model and then modify it modify it modify it um each time to get kids to get the variants but that was quite time consuming and um you know sometimes we actually made parts so we'd have you know the track sections we knew would be on you know 20 different models so actually they just sculpt the track sections and cast the track sections and then they can add them to the model but now you know we can make a make a model and make 20 variants of the sherman relatively easily um um and you know 
say, well, okay, well now we can we can do this obscure version that we didn't do before, or you know, if you want the Indo-Pakistan variant of it with something hanging off the back, then we can do that too. So yeah, that's that's what I found. Yeah, that's that's quite good. So well, hopefully that will bear some fruit. A bit more experimenting to go, but yeah, it's it's I'm I'm an engineer by training, and that's what I I think that's what I find I find most fascinating about the whole manufacturing process and and, and things like that. I'd like to get into the actual sort of day-to-day running uh, of uh, <laughs> hobby business uh, shortly and, and the actual process of uh, pouring that lead in and then uh, getting it into the hands well, of the customer. Well, don't call it lead. You can't get uh, it uh, <laughs> Alloy? <laughs> I don't know what it White is. White metal alloy, whatever you want to call right. I mean, it's everything. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I've got a very significant birthday coming up in about three weeks. So, uh, I'm, I'm of the older generation that will have uh, probably have well, got a significant amount of lead in my body at the moment. I, I, I'm older than you. So, uh, right. it's, it's, it's just the... Every now and again, you get someone like, "Oh, is it all made of lead?" And you're like, "No, the days of, <laughs> they were they were solid lead lumps. They are not solid lead lumps. Yes, some of the some of the metals we use do have a bit of lead in because it gives the right flow properties, and some don't. And yeah. uh, it's but the health, the people taking the risk. If we didn't give them the right ventilation bits and pieces, would be the people doing the casting, not the people right. playing with the models. So okay, it's, excellent, it's good. Yeah. Um, let's just wind it back a, a bit then, Andy. So yeah. how, how did you become involved in Heroics and Ross from a business perspective? Oh, quite literally an accident. <laughs> I, I, I've always been interested in military models, modelling, doing things like this. And I had a snowboarding accident and ripped the ligaments off my thumb. And I ended up in a cast from the end of my fingers to the top of my shoulder for three months. I couldn't move my arm and was sitting at home getting very, very bored and couldn't do anything, couldn't work, couldn't do anything and thought I've got to get back into a hobby. And I like, I'd like military and I'd collected all sorts of scales of models and things like that. And I found some six mil models and uh, from all the manufacturers and I just started collecting them. And when they took the cast off, I couldn't move my hand and they said, you need to do painting. You know, that's it's the best thing. Don't use a pen because that'll hurt your hand. Use And I think they meant painting pictures but I was in the opinion that I wasn't going to do that so uh, I started painting models and I just ended up buying more and more and more of them and luckily they were small because I was living uh, with a uh, girlfriend well now wife's parents at the time because I only really had one useful arm and uh, the collection just got bigger and bigger and I got her to drive me up to um, the little shop um, in Ilford and go and see Tony on a Saturday and buy a few things and come back and you know one thing led to another really uh, was it was they say uh, yeah I like the model so much I bought the company so yes it was you know I thought Heroics and Ross just to me was a really underexposed range of models and it, it had so much I just couldn't believe when I got there what you could get you know from everything you know I wanted to make complete units of you know I wanted the engineering kit I wanted the bridging kit I wanted all the, the bits and pieces and and they had it and it was like oh can I do that can I do this and and they sold the models by the one and it was like I mean so I don't have to buy you know five ten of these things I only want to no you just I'm like, okay I mean when I saw his stock control you think oh yeah I can see it trust me it's, it, that's one of the I can see why companies sell them by the five shall we say right. but um it was great so you know and I said to I thought well okay what I'll do is I'll become a distributor for you and Tony Blessing was like you know no I I like the way the company's run if you if you want to run it differently you know you can buy the company 
So I thought, oh, uh, okay. And my mother had just died and left me some money. And I chatted to the girlfriend and, you know, should, should I do this? And she's like, uh, well, you know, what would you do if someone else did it and made a success of it? And I said, I'd be really upset because I thought, I think I can do something with this. And she said, well, in that case, you, you better go away and buy it then, haven't you? So uh, I chatted to Tony, um, you know, we had a long, lots of conversations about it and I ended up buying the whole company. Uh, and then bring it back to the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> was it like just, big... <laughs> was it just like turning up in a van then and, and throwing? No, a very back? big lorry. Uh, oh, there was, there are lorry, there right? are thousands. I, I I have some friends who own a transport company, so I spoke nicely to them and got one of their um, you know eighteen ton lorries with big tail lifts and uh, yeah. And when it turned, I didn't really quite realise how big it was going to be, shall we say, um, because there are literally thousands of moulds, thousands and thousands. And it was like, ah, yeah, well, uh, luckily I got the racking with it. <laughs> so it's like, right, this is going to take me, you know, it took me probably weeks to put all the moulds back up and, and, you know, get everything in position. And uh, yeah, that was, I just sort of thought, ah, what have you done now? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it's like, what on earth do I do now? <laughs> it, well, it was like, I was quite lucky because, uh, you know, I had I had big garage. So I put it in, in, in the garage and down the side of the house. And, I, you know, I started making bits and pieces. And because his all his sales had been by fax and letter, that meant, you know, you had a, it was relatively slow. But as we became sort of, we started to get more of a web press and started to do emails and things like that. Obviously, the order starts to build up. And gradually it builds and builds and builds and it's like this is getting busier and busier and busier and I've got a full-time job as well so yeah it was uh yeah it went through an interesting stage uh, until we got you know moved to some premises and got someone else to do some casting as well and it's like yeah that, you know it's the company's grown you know over the time that I've owned it I think it's probably nearly four times the size that, that I bought it so wow. you know it, it certainly there is you know it's 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 good, but you know, as you grow, it brings its own problems. You know, it's um, you know, you haven't got enough pictures of the images on your website. And you're like, yes, I know, but I'm not starting from scratch. You know, it's like it, it's there's so much more I want to do with it, and I'm sort of like think, well, which bit do I do first? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's, it, it's it's certainly an interesting job, that's for sure. <laughs> that's one word to describe it. <laughs> so, so when uh, when you bought the company, did uh, did you go through um, a sort of training program with Tony? Fair, or? Yeah, Tony was really good. He, he, we went up there, and I was really, I'm, a, you know, I'm an engineer. I was interested in manufacturing techniques. I'd actually been to one of Bacchus's open days and seen how, you know, how they made things there. And I thought, you know, this is quite, quite doable. Uh, and then I went to Tony, and, and and he said, well, you know, clearly if you're thinking of buying the, the the company, you need to be able to manufacture all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. So I came, went to work for him. Well, not work, you know, did work for him for a, for a, you know, on a Saturday, and thought, yep, yeah, I can do this. And casting is definitely a bit of a black art. Um, yeah. There, it, you know, it's, and I think either you've got the knack for it or you haven't. Uh, luckily enough, I have. Um, yeah. So. It's sort of he's like, oh, no, you, you can do this. He's like, yeah, yeah. He said some people, you know, I could almost because some other people had looked at buying it and he'd done exactly the same thing with them. And he's like, you know, my advice is don't buy it because you won't be able to do it. And he's like, yeah. you know, within the, you know, within the first day, he's like, no, clearly, you know, you know, obviously we need some more experience and stuff like this. And, um, but yeah. he was so supportive, even after I bought it, you know, I ran into some problems. and I'd ring him up and like, oh, 
So you could try this or do that. And a couple of times I couldn't do something with a mould. And said, so well, bring it up. And I come up on a Saturday, go in his back room because um, he's still got his, his naval range. And, I, and he'd show me, oh, no, you need to do a bit of this or, you know, the temperature a bit higher or a bit faster or, you know, simple things you didn't even dawn of. Like you can turn the machine to run backwards. And I'm like, I didn't even think of that. You know, it, and it's just it's just experience. And, you know, there is there isn't any real substitute for that. But clearly some people pick it up quicker and, and easier than others so um, yeah. but yeah he, he i have to say the purchase of heracks and ross from tony was you know really brilliant you know yeah. um he was really helpful really supportive and i think because it's been his baby he'd nurtured it from you know from its birth and was very anxious that it went to someone who was going to look after it and uh, hopefully i have so what what was tony's surname i'm not familiar anderson tony anderson, tony anderson. right okay so. and did he did he start the range off no, well, there's another person called Roger Styles, and he's the original scope, though, I think, which is where the Ross comes from for Heroics and Ross. So it's right. Roger, a middle initial, I don't know, Styles. Yeah. Um, but I've never met Roger. He'd, Him and Tony had some sort of partnership relationship where they were both selling the same product, and I'm not sure how it all got funded and that sort of stuff. And It's not the sort of thing that, you know, you ask. But yeah. I think mostly Roger did the sculpting and Tony did the, the manufacturing, marketing, you know, that sort of stuff. And between the two of them, they had, uh, you know, two outlets for it. And then Roger decided, you know, he wasn't going to do it anymore. And Tony took on, you know, this, all of the, the Roger side of the business as well. So, um, you know, uh, and that's that's what i uh you know and, and tony wanted to keep it going but I, I think you know as you get older you sort of look at what where do you want to go with the business and from his point of view he had it exactly where he wanted it to he didn't want to expand it anymore he was you know it was providing the income that he needed versus the, the work that he wanted to put into it and he was very happy with that sort of status whereas i was like well but why haven't you got this in the range why haven't you got that in the range and you know you, you know you know that's we could do with one of those and he's like yeah i know but I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. So, you know, that's eventually how I ended up buying it because I thought I, I, I want, you know, the <laughs> same reason I bought Armstrong models, so I suppose. It's like I wanted to do the 21st Panzer. And I'm like, uh, you know, I want you to make this and I want you to make that. And it's sort of like, well, okay. Uh, but I haven't got the time because I'm casting all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, if we take over casting and, and selling and all the rest of it, you can do more sculpting. So, you know, it's been an organic grow, growing process, really. Sure. So how, what, what year did you buy the company? I bought it in December 2009. So, yeah, um, bought it in December 2009. Um, and, yeah, got it. We had made our first sale on the on Christmas Eve wow. under my ownership. So, yes. Wow. <laughs> That's something to think about, isn't it? Your yeah, I kept sale. the order. I kept the order. Just yeah. Just like a, yeah, because it came in the post and there's like. And some uh, it was a guy called Mark Beavis who uh, and he sent me a, a little letter saying your best wishes. Blah, blah, here's a little order just to be to be your first one. And I'm like, uh, I, I obviously didn't know it would be the first one, but obviously put it in pretty quick. And, and there yeah. it was. Yeah. Order number one. So. And what was that for? Sherman Tanks. Got, uh, got I can't actually remember without <laughs> looking it out. I just kept it in. in well, like, now, now uh, I got should have looked it out. But no, I don't remember. No, don't it's certainly World War Two. Certainly World War Two. Right. Well. OK. Yeah. OK. That's fantastic. So um, those early days then, um, I guess it was a case uh, cataloging everything that you got. If you got an 18-ton truck and it's full of stuff, that must have been almost overwhelming to think, where do uh, I start? It, when we put the pallets out, I just looked at it and I thought, oh. What have I done? <laughs> yes. Literally, I thought, oh, what have I done? 
Yeah. Because clearly, before you could make anything, you had to get all the the palette, all the moles in, all the moles are, are numbered. So if I know that code A2 equals mold 15, and right. so I go to code A2, pull out mold 15, I can make it. And um, but in the transport of the mold, some of them had moved, uh, and when I say some, I mean quite a lot. So. Um, <laughs> And so you ha- you opened the lorry up and we went, oh, OK. So all the lads put the bowls back on pallets, but clearly not on all the right pallets. You know, yeah. so with the best will in the world, we started off with what we thought was a system and then we didn't have a system anymore. So it was like, OK, what is that? What's that? What's that? You know, and yes, so it was a, a big job to get those all aligned and then to put, uh, you know, I turned, I, I, I lived on. Uh, in my own at the time then and we didn't have any kids. So it was like, OK, I'll, I'll make one of the bedrooms. Um, uh, the, the you know the storeroom for Horex and Ross stuff and it's like well okay there's a whole wall there that's now racked out with with the figures so you know so we could actually find things so it was yeah it it was a big job and and then I took I thought well okay I'll, I'll get the website working and he's got quite a nice website but it just doesn't you can't buy anything won't be a problem and then after about two months of trying to make this thing work we couldn't get it to work properly so we had to start again from scratch and it's like <laughs> oh okay Jeez. fine no, yeah. right now we've got to build a website so yeah it's suddenly a web developer <laughs> uh luckily i've done a bit of that but right. not enough to do an e-cart so i made a very simple site that you know, at least told you where to email that we took paypal and you know things like that and gradually you know these the hobbies six mil small you know really wargaming small and and six mil is a small part of that and it's making it's trying to reach all these people you know Hence, one of the nice reasons for doing this. It's like, you yeah. know, we are out there. I started going to shows and people will go, oh, we remember you, but we thought you didn't exist anymore. I'm like, you know, no, no, we, we are still here. And, well, you know, we're, we're still doing our bits and pieces. Uh, just on, on that bit about uh, when people started to say, see you at shows and, and yeah. say, I hadn't, I hadn't first, I didn't realise you're still around. I remember seeing you at Colours a few years ago. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the first time I'd ever seen Heroics and Ross at a show. Uh, I'm in the more in the North Midlands, I guess, so I don't often get down to the Southern shows. But seeing Heroics and Ross actually in the flesh at a show was a, b- a big thing for me. And I, I think I did. I bought uh, a few bits and pieces at the time. Well, but... thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I, I've very much enjoyed the product. But um, was that a conscious decision for you then to get out to the show? It's a balancing act. Because it is, that, it is that shop window, isn't it? it, it, it it's, for me, when I was doing a real job, for a word, and, and owning Heroics and Ross, the problem was mostly I, I would cash up with all the orders and all the work at the weekend. So literally, you know, I'd work the week in the, the, the real job, work a lot of the weekend, and, I, you know, a public thank you to my girlfriend stroke wife now for you know, help letting me do that. And, um, you know, just to keep, to keep up with things so every you know a, a show is an awful lot of work you know even if it's just a one day show you can you know yeah. spend probably the week before sort of getting rid of it ready for it and then the week after sort of tidying up after it so and also if I then was actually at the show at the weekend I wasn't doing any work so and and then you put travel in and you think well and I, I sort of looked at the shows and I thought really we should do salute because just because it's salute you know I yeah. actually it has some huge advantages. You can actually drive drive to the stand and take your stuff out and all the rest of it, and that's brilliant. But it's a big, you know, it's a big beast, uh, and it's expensive. But let's do it. And then uh, we did it, and 
it was it was a really good way to to, to see customers um, yeah. because the problem is we get too busy <laughs> to be honest but actually sometimes near the end of the day or you know you can actually start to speak to customers and that's the bit i really like you know yeah. what are we doing well what are we doing badly what could we do uh better you get some ideas also you get customer feedback and you raise the profile of it and i've always looked at shows less as a revenue generator and more as an advertiser part you know as advertising yeah but once you fall out of the show circuit it's not always so easy to get back into it because you know the good shows are normally well attended by the traders so you can't it's not like there's lots of empty spaces so then there are two shows near to where we are um the colors show and the warfare show ready in newbury so i thought well they're so close i can actually drive from my house to both shows easily so we should try and do those eventually got in there and then Peter uh, started organising the Joy of Six show and he invited us along uh, and I was like, OK, what is it? You know, is it a backer show or is it a six mil show? And he said, no, I want it to be a six mil show. And I'm like, OK, that's fine. Then in that case, I'll come along. And, and we came along and it was brilliant. You know, Pete has it's, it's done a lot, you know, it's done a lot to keep six mil going, I think. Yes, yes. Uh, and um, it was it was a really good show. We did, you know, we met a lot of our customers there and you know, apart from, I think, one year when uh, we've gone every year, except when one I was ill and one my wife was ill. So we've, you know, I love, I, I will, you know, we would have been there this this year and we'll be there again next year. We are bad about going to northern shows, to be honest, you know, uh, but triples disappeared. It was one we were looking at doing. Other than that, we do get invitations to do some others. I quite like to do one more northern show, but clearly. I don't know what actually is going to happen to the show circuit now. It's, you know, the, the pandemics, I, 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 it will be interesting to see what happens, to be honest. So um, that would be something for next year and look at what we should do. Because um, I do feel a bit guilty. We only do uh, the Joy of Six. But, um, you know, it's finding that, that other show and, and going to Scotland, that would take, you know, that really would be a week of um, of, you know, out of the business. And it's like, can I justify that or not? I'm not sure, you know, yeah. so it's a I difficult, think it's, difficult decision. It's interesting, isn't it, with the pandemic, and I, I'm talking about shows, and I'm, I'm suddenly getting that nostalgic feeling for them because it, they seem like a lifetime ago now. That Absolutely. I went, I went to show. I probably go to half a dozen through the year. I used to go to I used to go to everyone I could find, to be honest, back in the day. Oh, so did I. I loved them. Yeah. I, I used to just, you know go to the hexagon when that's when the reading show was there you know and uh i just found them so eye-opening you know even things you weren't particularly interested in you you thought oh that's interesting or i like the way they've done that scenery i could do that here or you know or a new product that you'd never even heard of or some vehicles i go oh i didn't know that yeah yeah and just just people just the whole the whole aspect of it i found you know, that's one of the downsides actually being a trader at a show you don't get to, you no. get to walk around so much it's, it's like, but, oh, but people will come to you won't they and, and they'll talk and I, I know i've spoken to peter uh, numerous times about this but it's his opportunity to evangelize about the hobby absolutely and and it's more it, as opposed to of course you that you want to make some money but it that's not the prime purpose it's there to just meet your customers, have a chat it, with them, um, get some feedback, etc. isn't it? Absolutely. My prime purpose is to meet the customers. It's not to make, in all honesty, it's not to make money. Yeah. I, I want to cover my costs. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm very happy if I leave a show 
cost neutral, properly cost neutral, all my costs cover, all the rest of it. I'm not saying I don't want to make money. I'm a business, you know, the the only reason for X and Ross will survive if, 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 you know, as a business, if it makes money, clearly. Of course. But yeah. the main purpose of a show to me is to meet the people, is to show them the new products, to show them what we're doing, and to talk to them and find, get feedback from them, you know, because it's very easy for someone to write an email and just say, oh, you know, I would like X, I'd like Y. But you'd like to know why do they want X or Y? What are they going to do with it? Uh, and also, not everyone really wants to sit down and write an email. But actually, when you start talking to them, you find out much more what they're doing, they're, you know, what they're gaming, what their interests are, where the gaps are and things like that. And you think, OK, that's, that's something we could look at. And yeah. Um, that, yeah, I find it, you know, there, I can't see any substitute. And that's why I hope the show circuit does survive, because I can't see another way of having that interaction, really. You know, social yeah. media is great, but it's not the same. No, it, it absolutely isn't, because there's definitely a buzz about shows when you get a group of fellow people with a, a common interest. And Joy of Six, and I've spoke about this before, Joy of Six is probably unique because you've got yeah. a niche within a niche. Everybody's interested in that scale. Yeah. And the the traders there will all be relevant to their interest, whether it, it, that's scenery or, or models. Yeah. And, and it's nice to meet everybody. You know, yeah. it's nice to chat to them all. And, you know, we go up the day before and it's 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 good. It, it really I'm really pleased, Peter um, and the War Games Emporium organised it and, you know, really happy to support it. It's yeah. it's a really nice show. Um and yeah, it's you know, and we're always busy because people know we're going to go there, and you know, they'll pick up stuff, and we try to have something new, you know, to show them. Um, and it's, you know, you are of course, of course, preaching to the converted because everyone there understands why you know six mil is the best scale, clearly. But um, yes, God's own scale. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, uh, but you know, it it it, it is it's a nice show. I really like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the other, some of the other shows, the Midland shows, uh, uh, like Partizan and Hammerhead, which are uh, around the Nottingham area in Newark, um, they're, they're, for me, they're the must-attends for myself um, because it's, it's such a central location that you get you pull people from north, south, east and west. Um, but I, I know that they have waiting lists for traders and whether or not that was something would be something viable for yourself. But I, I would say there certainly are the, the sort of shows we're, we're looking at possibly to do. But it's all a it's all a balancing act. You know, it's also I'd quite like to do if they did it, the Bovington show again. Yeah. Purely because we do a, you know, a lot of tanks. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, An obvious I, hit, isn't it? I, I, I'm really interested in tanks. So it's, you know um and but also there's a balancing act between how many you know weekends I, I, I you know in all honesty i want to be away and, and do things one of the reasons you know is to, to to be at home sometimes for the children so it's it's it's, it's a balancing act but i think we need to do i would like to do at least one more you know uh, northern show for one of a, a better yeah. description because we've got thousands you know there there's there's, there's such a wide range of customers and you want to you want to show them what you've got so it's well um, well I'm, I'm friends with the guy that organizes the bobbington show that was resurrected um oh. last year so uh, Stuart meacham who's from uh, the weymouth levelers um is uh, is part of the peter pig team 
uh, that run events uh, around the place. But uh, if, you, if you need contact, I'll, I'll, I'll push your name towards Stuart. Uh, the real worry for me is whether it will be the same day as the Joy of Six. Sometimes uh, it is. Okay. <laughs> One year we looked at it and it was, and it was like, oh, no, right. no, okay. well, no contest. But I'm re- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just how, that's that's sod's law, isn't it? That yeah, all fall on the it. same day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I am fascinated by the industry side of the hobby. Um, okay. I've, I have, I have, on a couple of occasions, poured lead. Sorry, poured some form of metal into a mould <laughs> whatever that Call form is right. yeah. <laughs> well we have lead mountains we talk about yeah, lead yeah, mountains that's true. yeah we have say. lead piles don't we that's lead fine piles, yeah, we'll yeah. yeah you can get cream for that apparently but uh the um uh i'm good friends with the people at peter pig uh down mm-hmm. at, in weymouth and uh, on occasion when i've ordered figures with them and i've i've been in weymouth they've allowed me to pour my own uh, or cast my own figures but I, I'm, I'm i am fascinated by it. i've been to the open day uh, at bacchus as well so i've seen peter's manufacturing process but just give it can you just give us a snapshot of a day in the life of a multinational uh little <laughs> tank manufacturer in in the in the playboy lifestyle that you lead? oh the awesome playboy lifestyle okay uh well I'll tell you, I, when I was doing it all by myself, the awesome play by Loister was uh, a shed that was so cold in the winter that I used to wear salopats and a coat. You spend hours, uh, the manufacturing's half the process, the other half is the ordering. The manufacturing, uh, what I'm trying to do and what we're trying to do is work a way to get, uh, to almost be in, in a head so we're making stock it's, this is the perennial battle that we always have in that uh we never have enough of everything i mean there's nearly three thousand items uh in the range and it's like then someone will order something and you're like okay fine i'll go away and i'll pick the order so you go see all the bins and we got literally racks and racks that contain the models in and you go and you pick the order and then you come to one bin and it's got you know they've ordered six and you've got five and you're like <laughs> okay fine that's not on the casting run because the bin wasn't empty or you know they've ordered 20 and you think well you, you had a quick look the week before to decide what to cast and 20 looked to be you know the what looked in there to be more than enough but now it isn't clearly so yeah. that goes on the casting list and then you have a nice pile of molds and you know you turn your pot on and your compressor on and uh then you literally just pour the metal into the mold uh it makes it very you know it makes it sound really simple but clearly there's different speeds different pressures uh different metals different uh, and everything changes with the environment as well that's you know if it's a cold day or a hot day is the mold and as the mold heats up that changes as well so it's not like i'm a manufacturing my real 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 training is manufacturing engineering and i would really like to you know spend uh, some serious time looking at the science of of, uh, of casting but it's never going to happen and there's so many variables in it you know air pressure uh, temperature all these sort of things have an in, an impact on when you pour that metal in are you going to open it and find a load of rubbish in there which means you just put it back in the pot and start again or a load of lovely castings that you can take out and and you know and sell on to the customer um so you know you can spend hours you know now we've got guys that just do casting that's the that's what they do and you know but you spin you take them off uh they cool down you break them off 
um, and you put them into the, the storage pots. So it's and then, then someone goes and they open all the storage pots, put them all in the bags, label up the bags. That someone is mostly me. So um, that's mostly what I do is end up picking the orders and, um, you know, printing address labels off and writing you little notes and, and shipping them out to you. So the play by lifestyle is it, it, not, you know, what I like about it is the products that I'm making and the interest. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's and and you know seeing something new when we in sculpt something i've got some boxes bits and pieces sitting in front of me that i'm sitting I, you know I'm, I'm sitting there and i can't wait to get these put into a mold and and see them come out and go we've turned we've gone from nothing to actually a model that is now you know for sale and you can buy it and you can now make your uh well, the ones i'm looking at now will be your polish marines so it'll be yep you can you can go away and 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 have some proper vehicles for your polish marines so um yeah i like the creation part of it it's just something else um that's you know you open that mold up and you've made something when you, you know it's different you look at molten metal and it's i know you've seen terminator and the liquid you know and mercury yes. that's just what it looks like and it's yeah. it's it's amazing and you pour it it solidifies and there there is something it's quite a mesmerising process. Um, really, yeah. uh, I can imagine it's. It must scratch that creative itch as well, uh, as well as being interested in the engineering and the technical side of moulds and and speeds of that you're spinning. Yeah, yeah. The, it, it, the creative I, side. I'd love to say that I am creative. I'm not really creative as in i couldn't sculpt I, I can't make masters it's not it, it's just not in me i am i don't i you know i'm in awe of the master makers i really am they are just something else they you know but what i'm good reasonably good at i suppose is saying this is what we need to do and i find the the guys who do the sculpting are artists and they they, they 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 need a bit of managing for one of a better word to actually end up with uh, a range rather than some disconnected models that are all very lovely but yeah we've got that but that's great but where's the two other bits or we've got a gun and we've got no toe for it or you've done one version of it but there are actually three so and it's like uh, yeah always suddenly you know and that's fine they're all you know they'll always make what you ask them to they, they, yeah. they don't get me wrong in that regard but they're artists and they'll you know uh, but you can see some of the love that goes into this. You know, they're clearly they look at it. You know, I, I'm looking at it now and I'm going, you know, this is some of, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm looking at now is still hand sculpted and it's it's beautiful. You know, this is hours of work to make it look like it looks. And, yeah. uh, and the figures were just that was a joy when I got started to get figures that I'd commissioned and said, you know, I want the engineering figures. You know, I know they won't sell as well. The guy digging the, the hole for the mine. But I when I want my army, I want it to be able to have all the bits there, not just, you know, the heavy weapons uh, and the rifles and that sort of stuff. I want, I want some, and I want some character in the officers, you know, I want them to be doing something if they can. And, you know, I think I commissioned uh, Montgomery's caravan and, you know, literally I sent him a picture of the matchbox kit and said, I want that in six mil. We can have that in six mil. Please do it for me. And the sculptor sent me back a, a sculpt of Montgomery with a mug of coffee in his hand or tea. Well, I'm not sure what he drank, but and you're like, yeah, that's brilliant. You know, that is just that's just what I'm trying to create. Um, so you can have a little, you know, a little bit of character in your table as well. 
I think even in 28 mil, you'd struggle to tell whether it was tea or coffee in the mug. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm going for it, I'm going for it being a, co- a tea because it was a big mug. So that's right, yeah, it's got to be tea then, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's fascinating. So, how many people have you got involved working with you? I well, I, I've shied away from having proper employees and. When I've tried to employ people, they've all said, no, we don't want to. We, we want to work for you. We don't want to work for you. So right, okay. Everyone is a contractor because that's yeah. what they want. And yeah. um, it's sort of like, oh, OK. Uh, and I'm, I, Part of me is very nervous, was, you know, very nervous for this when I initially started. I was like, no, no, I, you know, but actually over the 10 years, it's worked really well because it's given them the freedom that I've always I, I want from my job is to work when I want. And, and to do, you know, as long as I'm delivering, that's fine. And so they, you know, they do the casting for me. They do the um, the sculpting for me of the vehicles. And, you know, I've got 3D sculptors doing work for me. They all work for themselves. I, right. None of them directly work for me. Um, yeah. And that's what they want. But equally, we've got an agreement, you know, that's running year on year that that's what, they'll, you know, they know what their budget is for the year. And we've kept to it even through coronavirus, you know, not being able to sell anything. We've still kept paying them to do the work because that's the sort of relationship we have with them. And, and um, you know, they're very happy with it because a lot of them say it helps them stay fresh. You know, they're not doing six mil all the time. They're doing other things. And it's, you know, it means they've got a nice break between one scale and another scale. Um the time to give their eyes a rest and I'm like yeah but surely the buttons on a you know a 28 mil figure are the same as ours and they're like yeah yeah but that's different I'm like, okay that's fine <laughs> yeah different whatever <laughs> yeah 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 well you know what it's like it's like when they say they can't paint them I look there and think well I look at a 28 mil figure and I think well if you can paint the detail on that you yeah. can easily paint a six mil figure especially when you think it's designed to be played with it's it's in most cases it's not a a display piece this is a gaming piece to be used in a game yes um um, you know or a diorama or a vignette that's telling a story and they're not really good you know they're not normally going to be looking i I, I mean don't get me wrong we want it to look good but there's a there's a i suppose an ethos or a theory behind what you're trying to portray to me with six mil um and it's different there's a trade-off, isn't there? I think that's. Um... Well, there has to be. You know, uh, our models are one three hundred scale, so there's a smaller end of six mil. Yeah. yeah. To me, there's. It, it, I'm not one that really. I hate this. Uh, hate's not the right word. I don't know how wargaming ended up using six mil, twenty mil, twenty-eight mil as a scale. It's not. I'm an engineer. One three hundred scale, one two eight five a scale. You know, one fifty. You know, one fiftieth is a scale. Six mil is just a general generic description of of figures and vehicles that roughly would go together yes. and I, I i happily mix all the manufacturers i've probably got the world's broadest collection of six mil figures in the world okay because, <laughs> because i i've literally got everything ghq have ever made most everything scotia have ever made clearly everything heroics and ross skytrex and uh, you know armstrong have got but I've got one of each. I've got a collect, you know, and I look at them and I, you know, it was, that's part of where I came to. The, I, I enjoy all of that. And, you know, I'm not sure I'd put different manufacturers figures of the same vehicle or the same figure next to each other on the same base. That would maybe a little bit pushing it a little bit too far. But overall, mixing them up with the right paint job, 
I think you, it's it's you know some people say that's rubbish and I'm only ever going to stick with X Y or Z. Well, that's fine too. But to me, it's I remember a customer coming up to me and he said I've made this American uh, armored division. He said, but you don't do the uh, compressor truck. I'm like, but GHQ do that. And he's like, yeah, but you don't do it. I'm like, it's a compressor truck. It really won't make any difference. To, <laughs> you know, you've built everything else. And he was like, yeah, no, 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 you said, it's fine. I'm just letting you know it's a gap in your range. And I'm like, you know, in a nice, thanks. He, he was, and he's a really nice guy, a really nice customer and all the rest yeah. of it. And you're thinking it's, he, he taken the approach that I want to make this division and I'm going to buy the bits from wherever I want. And it's brilliant. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I do. It's, you know, um you know and you you want the six different versions of something and you might find that one manufacturer doesn't do them all so you know yeah. enjoy the hobby to me and and go to all of them yes um, spread the love yes please yeah um you mentioned covid there and obviously yeah. we're in we're in highly unusual times at the moment that we're going through how how has that impacted on heroics and ross I, uh, <laughs> well uh, just before it all broke out, I, I shut for a month to sort some family matters out. And um, I came, I was actually in London at the time. And the rumour was they were going to shut London down. And I was speaking to the wife. She said, can you come home? And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming home now, literally. <laughs> I said, I don't know how serious this is. Clearly, it's getting worse. And if anything goes wrong, I do not want to be stuck in London and you stuck with the kids at home. So yeah. I, I came home. And you know, it all became more clear what was going to happen. So, okay, right, we opened Heroics and Ross. Well, quite literally, I think I was open for two or three days, and everyone, uh, you know, I, I don't. Everyone clearly decided that they were going to be sitting at home for a long time, and they were going to order their stuff. We just got bombarded, and I'm like, no, we can't keep taking orders because I don't know how long this is going to take me to get all this cast, get all this packed up, get all this shipped. It didn't seem right to like keep taking keep the shop open so i shut the shop within uh, and then we sort of cleared that backlog and then we started opening a range but we just got overwhelmed every time and then the school shut and uh the manufacturing facility didn't you know didn't feel safe working and i'm like that's fine we are not i'm not having anyone doing anything that they're not happy doing furlough everyone so everyone got furloughed so we yeah. couldn't actually make anything and it's like okay um what so we, we just closed <laughs> so we just closed uh, and um you know, mostly shut the shop a few people have been emailing and you know need to finish projects we've got some special projects we work we, we work on um we've got a guy that's doing the battle of Waterloo one-to-one and you know uh we've got you know do things for the army and do bits and pieces so we've been plodding along doing those but mostly we, we were just closed because we couldn't manufacture and, and meet demand and it was like I didn't want to be in a position where I, I, there was no, there's no good answer to it. I don't know. You know, I know Pete's opened and closed, opened and closed. And that's, you know, I'm not, and, and that, uh, we tried that and it didn't work for us. And because we couldn't really manufacture a, a, a any sensible degree, it would be, I just think, well, no, we're just going to sell what we sell. Now we've reopened now and we're gradually adding the ranges. So I don't know when this is going to get broadcast. So hopefully, if it's a week or two, you might find everything back up. But yeah, it it it, it hits us very hard, mostly because we couldn't manufacture. Yeah, probably seven to ten days, I would say, uh, before the episode's out. So then probably, maybe, 
fingers crossed we have uh, really a bit dependent on what we're doing is we're, we're adding a range back in and leaving it on sale so right. and then we're adding another, once we cleared any backlog for those orders we're adding another range in we're adding another range in we're gradually adding those in the plan is while we're we've got more casting capacity than we've got orders we're rebuilding our stock so yeah. that as we can add a range back in we hopefully can meet the majority of the orders for what we hold in stock we can never i mean I had someone order three thousand. I put our, our well to a range of figures on 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 the shop, and someone ordered three thousand paratroopers. Well, I don't have three thousand paratroopers in stock, so you um, don't. No, no. Surprisingly <laughs> enough, it's a surprise. Three thousand individual paratroopers in stock. You know, to be fair, we try. I mean, I would have normally had maybe five hundred. Right. Three thousand is 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 a lot. Um, yeah. You know, in any way, that's a lot of painting. Yeah. <laughs> that's a so, couple so, of uh, couple of regiments at least, isn't it? <laughs> in one to one. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not. I, you know, far. It, they are one of the ranges I'm most proud of. It's something that you know we've redone from the ground up, and I literally have now got my Clark airborne dozer and my paratroop converted uh, carrier, and I think now we can field everything that you know the paratroops had. Um, every vehicle you know different yeah. toes for your six pounder and your pulse and and um that's what that's the beauty of six mil that's what i wanted to, that's what i want to do um, yeah yeah with it so if you look at the website today um or, yeah. or whenever this episode goes live yeah if if um an item showing out of stock is that because it's just not been released back into the that's because it's not been released yet? back into it and if it's yeah. in stock it is and if you look in the news section you should see what ranges have been added back in. But right. you might, if you're really, really lucky, see a new website. I'm not sure. So oh. it's... it's Is this breaking news, Andy? Uh, well, it, it may be broken, I suppose, by the time it came <laughs> live. But yes, there's a whole new website. One of the things... Um, we we need more pictures of, of, our, of our product, which I fully understand. Yeah. But the web adding pictures to our old website was very difficult. The web developer is not available anymore, so we couldn't do anything with it. And web the web doesn't stand still. And I really wanted it to be to do more for me, you know, to help me with stock control, to help me with looking at sales, to uh, make it easy for me to add pictures and add news articles to to the website and those sort of things. So you know you look around at lots of packages and i my desire was to have a website that we could do some work with because it's if you have to ask someone else to do it all the time you're depending on them when they can do it so and and with you know with three thousand products on there and more coming you know that's not everything that it is quite a substantial shop so you need you know a proper back end that actually works with it um so after a lot of looking around, we found one and they've done a lot of work for us. One of the good things about the shutdown was, you know, um, I had some time to actually do that. So, yeah, there's a new website and hopefully, um, yeah, maybe, just maybe, I, I, I want it up before the end of August. So that's right. the plan. So depending when this goes out, hopefully by the end of August, we will have a new website up there that will have more pictures on than our current one and the ability for us to add more pictures on i've just had another 500 pictures delivered so um you know these these are things that we've been working on um you know and it's it's a, it's a big job you know just to add 
a, a, you know, it's, it, it sort of seems trivial to add a picture to Facebook, and it is. But actually adding it into a, a web shop is, it was, well, our previous one was a lot more complicated. This one's much, much easier. And, yeah. um, but, you know, they have to be, the picture has to be formatted in the right size and all the rest of it. So, yeah, we're getting there. And I think if I can get that done, and by the end of the year have a really, really nice website, I'm going to be very, you know, pleased with that part of how 2020 went. Yeah, we've got to take something positive out of this year, haven't we? So a, a nice web, a new website would be great, wouldn't it? It would, for me, it would be, uh, it, it's, you know, it, we need to, to, if you, if we want to succeed, we need to move the hobby forward. You know, people have got a choice of, of, of where they spend their money and how they spend their money. And we, I want to make six mil attractive. It's, it's yeah. to me, it's, I really, you look at some of the, the games that are put on and you look at what people do with it and it's amazing to me yeah. it's just it and i want to be able to show that you know yeah. i want a page where people can send me pictures of the, the the things they've done with it and we can just quickly put them up there and go you know when someone's coming for looking for some inspiration or um you know how do i do this or should i get into six mil you can go well look you know look at that that's that's yeah. what six mil really is good at yeah yeah um okay I've, I've taken up a bit of your time here, but I've got a couple more things to for ask it. you first, Andy. One is, um, have you, what's coming up other than the new website? Is there any breaking news or plans for new models or ranges? Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, I can honestly say that, uh, yes, there's huge plans for new models. We've, we've got models that we announced the release of pre-COVID that haven't been released, so they'll be the first ones to come out. I'm in my hot little hands at the moment are, are some uh, Cold War uh, Polish Czech APCs that I've wanted for ages. Um, so they will hopefully be out. Um, but, you know, yet again, we did the whole range there. There are OT62, so there are Czech. I sit there and think I want people to be able to do some interesting is not the right word but some of the you know rather than just do the soviets against the americans to be able to do uh you know the austrians against the czechs or something like that yeah i think there's a great opportunity to do interesting not interesting not the right word i'm trying to, I'm, my english isn't is, isn't perhaps as good as an author's but we know what you mean mate don't you hopefully worry. you do know what i mean yeah, so yes yeah. it's uh and a variety and i think that's something we can do in six mil. so that's yeah there's lots of stuff coming out and we've got a whole project where i'm looking to redo some of our world war ii tanks in um like uprated 3d generated masters so that's if that all comes to fruition touching wood on uh, the moment then you may by christmas see you know some very new um panzer fours and uh and shermans out there so because i know that there's been some re-sculpting of the uh, infantry hasn't there over the years yeah that's an ongoing project. Basically, I struggled to find anyone that could imitate Rogers, Rogers style of infantry. It's so small um, and it was of a style of its time. I, I, I personally, I quite like it and I think it's it's. Yeah. But customers have, have, have also seems to be, you know, we'd like them a little bit bigger with a little bit, you know, uh, more detail, for want of a better word. Or, yeah. And I'm like, well, OK. At the end of the day, we are a business. It's not our, our, uh, and so we started off doing some winter troops because winter troops, by definition, are a bit bulkier than you know summer troops just by the uniforms they're wearing and all the rest of it. 
and we started the sculptor off there and as we we've just been gradually re releasing more and more stuff they've yeah we seem to have hit the the right the right place with our cold war and world war ii troops because they're just you know as i say we did them with the intention of doing everything you know in, in the soviets there's in the soviet summer range i think there's 62 figures individual sculpts for a six mil range yeah so you know you that equates that, that's a crazy amount I, 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 amount of figures but you know you can have your mind dog you can you can have your mind detected you can have your medics you can have all these sort of things that you want they are you know either out now or will be out very very shortly that's um that's that's what we've been working on you know we did the cold war figures because i wanted some more i wanted to have you know there were bits missing from the cold war infantry as far as i was concerned and i wanted more in there and we started to add them and as they sold you know people were like well you've got loads of swedish tanks but you don't have any swedish infantry so you do some research and go well okay they had, they did have a slightly different you know helmet and bits and pieces and they did have some different you know weapons and especially as you get into the cold war there's lots a lot more support weapons and things it's like okay we'll do it you know let's see how it sells it sells you know well what about the danes you you know so we've done some danes we've done the french uh, you know i've commissioned some austrians you know uh canadians dutch and you sit there and then you start thinking well actually you're starting to get to the limit but you know then we you know someone says well what but about australians or singaporeans and then you start to look at it and go okay well you know maybe we can do something there and um yeah that's the new figures are, are are selling very well yeah people like the new figures and then we did the same with world war ii gradually just um but we've kept the old ones some people are fans of the old ones and some people are fans of the new ones you know and some people use both and yeah. um i thought well i actually don't want to discontinue the old ones they're they're lovely figures they perfectly work perfectly well uh, if people want those the we'll continue to sell them so we sell them you know side by side so Oh, they fight the they fight just they fight just as well on the tabletop and they fight just as well on, on the table and you know if you've got 90 percent of your army done you really don't want to redo it you might want to do a new army so it's like you know okay well you know you can finish that bit off there and, and and do those and um but the main thing was we we used to get hundreds of requests to can i have more mortars or can i have more heavy machine guns or can i have whatever it might be um, the way the molds have been made and our, our figure packs were the mold equals a figure pack and you spin it, you make packs. If you start taking strips out of those packs, it causes a problem because, you know, if everyone picked different strips, that would be fine. But if they all pick the same strip, you end up with a load of strips of the other type strip, which then means the molds become more expensive to spin because they're only like 50 percent efficient. So, yeah. Um, you know, and then you think, well, actually, can I charge you, you know, two pound for that strip? Well, no, you wouldn't buy it. So it sort of all became a bit of a, I wasn't sure what to do. And then I thought, well, actually, if we redesign the range, we can do it again. We can sell, then put the weapons on individual strips. So if you want five mine detectors, you can have five mine detectors. You want some snipers, you can have some snipers. You want some observers, have some observers. We can sell, um, sell and buy the strip. You, you can have then not exactly what you want because you've got to buy five, but within reason you know you can have what you want then um and that seems to have done very well because you know depending on your rule set you may want you know maybe very significant what what weapons the troops are on with or it might not be significant at all so you yeah. know um so yeah that was that it makes the range more expensive initially 
but if you know if you sell more that's worth it and also yeah. i'm happier with it you know yeah. i look at it and think well if i wanted to do the 21st panzer i want to be able to make it up with the right you know the right support weapons and, and do it the right way and, and that's i think that's great because you you're responding to that customer service and request there where people want might want different makeups of heavy weapons or or whatever it is and rather than having to buy two packs and only using 20 percent of that pack to fill the need then you're responding to that that customer needs so i think that's fantastic well that was it it's like you know your rpg7 your classic you know anti-tank weapon and i think you could get you got five in our infantry pack and you think, well, how many, how many do you want? Uh, and now we have a strip of five and you can buy as many as you want. And, yeah. you know, we sell lots. <laughs> yeah. Right. So clearly people wanted lots. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Uh, right, Andy, um, to round out every interview, uh, and I'm going to ramble oh, yes. a little bit. Do you know what's coming? <laughs> I do, but I'm cheating. I'm cheating. Mate, mate, cheat away, cheat away. There's no, there's no hard and fast rule. So it's, it's your addition to the God's Own Scale virtual library. I'm going to ask you to recommend a book to the listeners. Um, so well, if you've I'm got anything ready. Three books. Three? Two, there's there's two, room on the shelf, two, mate. Don't two worry. Two you struggle to find, and one's a real recommendation. Okay, mate. One is the uh, story of the 79th Armoured Division in World War Two, because that's what my father was in, and that spurred my interest from from you know for for the military, all things military, and this is where it all came from. Yeah. And it and also it's a really interesting read. It, you know, it was written very shortly afterwards. It's got loads of pictures, and it's sort of I suppose it, for me personally, it reminds me of my dad. So it's, it's yeah. a very it has a very sentimental book for me the other is a marks and spencer's uh, great land battles book uh, right. it's probably 40 years old and you'll, you'll never get it it's by richard hubble and it's got lovely offspray drawings in there of battle tactics and all the rest of it and i remember right. getting it as a christmas present and i yeah. still got it now and it just i suppose reinforced my interest in that you know it it, it isn't just two sides banging straight up against each other because if it was the side with the most would always win and they don't yes. so uh there is a lot more to it it's you know it's how you use it and what you do with it so those are my two frivolous ones for one of a better reason but uh the book that i would recommend if you have any interest in normandy and all that sort of things is a combat history of the 21st panzer division written by Werner cord Kent's house I think but okay. published by Hellion um, right. and it I, I I for some you know my dad was in Normandy and that area of the war always interested me and the 21st always interested me because they were strange all the kit was weird you know and the whole if they'd done things slightly differently you know would the V-Day failed and to yeah. me the world would be a very very different place if it had you know I mean, you can say that about you know so many different battles, but that was the only one my father was at. So it always had a special uh, feeling in my head. And that's that was my recommendation. It's, it's a brilliant book. It just has got so many information, so many, you know, interesting pictures. And it really is just a story of, 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 the, of the Battle of Normandy um, from, I suppose, almost from a German point of view, which is unusual. So, yes, that's my recommendation. Oh, fantastic. That will take pride of place. And I've, I've been a bit negligent in, in previous episodes what i will do is put a link up uh I'll, I'll find the link for it in amazon and uh, we'll put a link up 
into the show notes. Uh, Andy, um, I hope the experience of your first ever podcast interview hasn't been too too bad that you haven't been too intimidated. Uh, you've certainly given me some great content there. So thanks. As long as it's okay for, your time, for you, mate. it's not a problem. It's a wonderful hobby, and I just hope everyone enjoys it. To me, this is what it's all about. It's is to give people enjoyment. You know, yeah. we get letters from customers all over the world. You know. I've got one from a guy who's got cancer, you know, and he made he's, he's made a legion one to one. And we've been sending it out, you know, month by month. And he, he, he's taken so much joy from that. And I've taken so much joy from seeing the pictures of it. This hobby gives so much fun and it's so beneficial to everyone. You know, just enjoy it and have fun with it. Mate, I, I can't top that. That is uh, that is so true. Uh, Andy, thanks so much for your time. I hope. And I, I do insist that anybody who comes on uh, commits to coming back onto the show at some point in the future. <laughs> if you so, uh, having you back, I'll happily be back, sure. Yeah, well, may, maybe once that new website's up and running and uh, COVID's a thing of the past and we can talk <laughs> about uh, happier times ahead. So, Sounds like a plan. Okay, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Andy. What a fascinating insight into the industry and the life of a six mil figure manufacturer. Okay, I'm going to close out the show, but before I do so, I'm going to talk about something that I didn't think I would resort to, but I'll explain the reasons why. Um, I'm going to talk about Patreon. Now, it's something I've considered for some time. And in fact, I set up a Patreon account for God's Own Scale podcast. Probably not long after I came back onto the airwaves. I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. One is that the costs of running this podcast, whilst not onerous, do take up some of my hobby finances. Um, which I've been willing to and will continue to be willing to fund myself. However, any contribution towards those running costs would be gratefully appreciated. And secondly, my setup is pretty amateurish compared to most podcasts that I listen to. The sound quality, certainly on the pre-ramble and post-ramble bits, I'm aware the sound quality isn't always great and I would love to be able to invest in a proper microphone rather than relying on a headset with a microphone that is probably getting on for 10 years old. Now the cost of those again isn't prohibitive and I may well end up purchasing one anyway but if there was some assistance through the listenership and really only a very small percentage of the people that listen to the podcast, uh, if they contributed a, a small amount each, then I would easily cover those costs. And also, as I mentioned at the start of the show, I would like to next year do some roving reporting. And I 
I've tried this before using the microphone on my mobile telephone which isn't great so if I could maybe purchase a mobile microphone with recorder in that would be great and would benefit the podcast immensely now before I tell you how to go about supporting the podcast uh, through patreon I will urge you if you are of limited funds and and choose to support content producers already through patreon I would say do not stop supporting whoever it is to support the God's Own Scale podcast. The existence of the podcast does not depend on Patreon. Also, I know that Little Wars TV are looking to go down the Patreon route to support their own production of the high quality videos that they release through their YouTube channel. And if it was a toss up between Little Wars TV and God's Own Scale, I would much prefer that you sent that money towards Little Wars TV first rather than myself. As I say, the existence of this podcast does not depend on Patreon. However, if there was a small portion of you out there who were willing to assist in the running of the podcast, it would be absolutely appreciated. So, should you wish to do that there will be a link on my twitter feed uh, and on the blog which hasn't seen a lot of activity lately but hopefully i shall pick up uh, the content there but also you can look at www.patreon.com forward slash god's own scale and that will take you through uh, to the patreon site where you could contribute also, if there's anybody out there in the industry, um, producers, manufacturers, uh, of whatever it is that um, has a relevance to God's own scale, if you'd be interested in, in sponsoring the show or supporting the show in any way, please get in touch through um, Twitter at God's own scale or email at God's own scale at gmail.com. And I will finally stress one more time, the existence of this podcast does not depend on either sponsorship or Patreon. The podcast will continue and I will at some point upgrade the microphones that I use for the podcast and hopefully when shows return next year I will invest in some mobile recording facility to hopefully get some interviews whilst out and about at shows so just some something for you to think about if you are of that way minded to support uh, a podcast then it would be most appreciated you may have noticed that i've started uh, a small youtube channel that is if you, if you think this podcast is amateurish, then the YouTube channel is a step below that. But it's really just a, a place for me to ramble occasionally, show off some painting techniques and do one or two unboxings, rather than do hobby updates on the podcast, which I think probably are the least interesting part of any podcast when a host 
talks about their own hobby activities if you can see what's going on i think that's probably the better medium to get that across so have a look at god's own scale tv on youtube again there'll be a link in the show notes for this along with the patreon address and take a look and see what i'm up to in the hobby also you'll notice that episodes from this podcast are appearing on youtube just as a different means of accessing the podcast or listening to it so uh, check that out on there okay i'm going to round out the show thank andy kirk once more for giving up his time to talk to me on the podcast there's lots more to come the next few weeks are going to be pretty exciting with guests who are lined up so please stick with me thanks for listening i really appreciate the comments and the feedback that i get for the podcast and the support that i see across facebook and twitter and through the emails that i receive it's greatly appreciated and it certainly spurs me on to continue with the podcast and producing the content that hopefully you enjoy listening to so Without further ado, I'll say goodbye, thank you for listening, and, of course, keep talking about six. Brother Bertie went away To do his bit the other day With a smile on his lips and his left ten and fifth upon his shoulder, right and gay As the train moved out, he said Remember me to all the birds then he wagged his paw and went away to war, shouting out these pathetic words. Goodbye, goodbye. Oh, I'm a dear baby, dear from your eye. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know. I'll be single the death, you know, don't cry, don't cry. There's a silver lining in the sky.